Big Reed Lakeshore of Hope College is proud to present Behind the Reed, a podcast series that offers listeners insights and perspectives on what goes into, around, and behind the act of reading. I'm your host, Dr. Deb Van Dynen. I'm the director of the Big Reed and Little Reed Lakeshore programs, a professor of English education at Hope College, and someone who loves to talk with people about reading, books, and literacy. Behind the Read is a production of Hope College's Big Read Lakeshore program. Through Big Read events and programming, we promote and foster a culture along the West Michigan Lakeshore where reading matters. Thea, I am so excited to have you on the podcast this week. And um, I'd just love to start with you telling us and our listeners uh, a little bit more about yourself and uh, when your love for literature, for stories, for words, when it began in your life. Sure. So I am 25 years old, which I know makes you feel great and makes me feel old. Um, and I am a third year teacher, so still brand new to teaching. I teach sixth grade English right now, but I've taught a little bit of everything, um, truly, <laughs> even though I've only been teaching three years. And um, I just love learning with my students and learning what they like to dissect with reading and um, with math and with history and science and how they look at things differently, especially this new generation and what, with everything they're going through in this world. But my own love of literature began in the Waukegan Public Library. And uh, it was a very dilapidated old library, but it was a library that had everything I needed from loving librarians and uh, old books and new books and just everything that could make me realize that like the stories that I wanted to read were there and the stories that I wanted to create were in front of me. So I love that. I love that description of a library appearing dilapidated at first and then like you going in and seeing these loving librarians and all these stories that open up um, new worlds for you. I love that description. Um, Thea, you are a middle school teacher. You've taught high school. Can you talk a little bit about what is it like sharing your love for the books that you mentioned in the library when you were younger, for other books that you've grown to love over the years? What's it like trying to share that love, uh, to inspire that love, to foster that love with middle and high school students? It's definitely hard, <laughs> especially in like a digital world mm. um, because kids just like they're so engrossed in technology and to say like pick up a book and start reading. They're like, are you kidding me? Um, but it's it's nice to see kids engage and fall in love with characters, whether that's like a friendship love or like a familial love or I love when my, my students, I've worked with students of every race, religion, color, whatever it may be. I love when they can see themselves in a character and they can realize like, I'm not alone in this or I can be this type of person or I can see myself represented and feel like I'm not alone. And mm -hmm. I didn't have as much of a problem with that with literature because I'm 
you know, a white female, but I know that a lot of my students have had that problem and watching them find books where they see themselves has been the most powerful part of teaching because it just makes me see, like, makes me realize that books can help them transform their own identity and solidify their own identity through just reading. I love that. Can we just pause for a moment? What were some, who were some of the characters that you fell in love with in all those different ways that you described growing up? And I'm totally putting you on the spot, but are there any characters that sort of stand out as ones that you really connected with? And then we'll talk about your students. Yes. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is Winn-Dixie and because mm-hmm. of Winn-Dixie, um, mainly because I was very like, I, I went rogue as a kid. Like my mom could not. I can only imagine Thea. <laughs> She could not keep her herself like I could not keep myself contained and like she was just gone with the wind um kind of like did what her own heart contended with and I was very much like that as a child um as I got older oh this is a little bit harder as a teacher I kind of feel like Amelia Bedelia because no matter what someone says to me I'm like yeah I'll do that exactly as you say (laughs) and sometimes I need them to say it to me two or three times before I can really think it through (laughs) but um I think a lot of the greatest authors have kind of like influenced me because they make me think about things a lot of times I really liked my favorite, and my grandmother would kill me if I didn't say this, my favorite author is Ray Bradbury, Mm -hmm. mainly because he's from Waukegan. Mm -hmm. And he has influenced so much of what Mm. I think and how I think and his characters and the way he portrays people has just made me realize that like, you can think about the world in such a crazy way, but it still comes back to what we're doing right now or what we're doing in 50 years or what we did 50 years ago. So I love that description of his work. That's, that's really powerful. Um, Reflects a little bit about your students. And I love how you framed it in terms of a phrase metaphor that I often use with our big read team is books as windows and mirrors. And for many of us, we've had a lot of books as mirrors. Um, Characters have looked like us. Characters have had similar kinds of experiences and something that you're talking about, I think, is really important as we think about all of our students and here along the lakeshore, I would say all of our community members don't always see themselves in the books that are chosen or the books that are featured. And so they have, um, some people in our community have seen a lot more window books um, and how do we help encourage all of us to have more, all of us to have mirror books, not just window books. And um, so as we think about Big Read, book selection that's something that we think about but what are some of the books that your students have found as mirror books or they've seen themselves maybe for the first time um, in them that stand out to you as you think about your years of teaching um my students in grand rapids loved the book monster Mm -hmm. by walter dean meyer Mm -hmm. because they really connected with like this i've been called this name but i don't necessarily feel that way And it wasn't necessarily the word monster, but they could just identify with that. And as the world unfolded with the George Floyd murders and a lot of the Black Lives Matter justice, 
a lot of my students were like, there's a lot of things that I've been called. What, and it didn't matter what you know, color they were, who they were, you know, they felt that they had been called something in their life or someone in their life had been called something. And they were like, I can, I can identify with this kid that something has happened to me. And I didn't get that just, I didn't get that name justification called. And I can understand living in this prison where I don't get to speak my mind. And then they kind of felt like this is finally my time to speak up in whatever way, whether it was to each other on social media or in the streets for some of them, because I taught a lot of high school students who were like, this is finally my time. Mm -hmm. um, for some of my younger students, uh, I teach a lot of students who are of Asian American descent, mm -hmm. American born Chinese, it's a graphic novel. Mm -hmm they're just like, oh my gosh, like every stereotype that's ever been said about me or my family has been broken down in this book. Mm -hmm. um, and it was great to see them see, see them, see those stereotypes said mm -hmm. and also like validated, like, oh my gosh, this isn't just in my head, especially as a middle school student, because sometimes you're like, is this just me? Am I just thinking this in my head? How do I say this out loud? How do I tell someone that I think someone is like profiling me? Because mm. as a sixth grader, you don't really know what profiling is yet or how to voice that to an adult. So I've loved having those conversations with some of my kids and watching them really grow into like, no, it's not okay when people say these things to me. And how do I talk to a trusted adult about it? Or how do I stand up for myself if I feel confident enough to do that? This just reifies why I think English teachers have the best job ever, because think of all these conversations you get to have around the text that you encounter with your students. Mm -hmm. um, thanks for that, Thea. You already sort of responded to this. Um, a question that I have is, um, and a lot of people wonder about this, for reluctant readers, and you've already talked about digital and how Sometimes it's hard to get kids interacting with a book, um, but how, what strategies have you used or how do you approach kids who sort of come to your class saying, I hate books or I don't like reading um, and exposing them to characters that look like them or that have similar situations or that they can relate to, I think is one strategy, but what are other ways that you try to like get kids into the reading club? Mm -hmm. I am a huge person, and I learned this from you, Deb, <laughs> that literacy is more than words on a page, mm. um, and that reading is more than words on the page. Mm. It's, yeah, it's the pictures, it's the graphic novels, it's podcasts like this. It's, you know, if a kid can tell me that they are engaging in something mm -hmm. and then comprehending it and telling me what they have absorbed from it then I'm I'm all game for it and <laughs> I I don't care how they're engaging I don't care what they're engaging in as long as they can tell me what they're doing I'm I'm good for it um and I think that's a new definitely a new school of thought <laughs> <laughs> that a lot of people are not used to <laughs> 
but it's been interesting to watch the kids do it because they've been, you know, some of them are so used to the old school of thought of like, oh, I have to pick a book to read. And I'm like, no, you can read a magazine, you can read a podcast, or you can listen to a podcast, you can do whatever you need to do. And just tell me what you like about it. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> what podcasts are they listening to or magazines? Do you see trends or themes among sixth graders right now? Um, a lot of the sixth graders that I've, uh, like have gone towards the podcast really like the ones that are like Neo or not Neo. They're like the ones that are more kid centered or kids centric. And it's usually my kids who are very like science sensor centered. So they'll do like, um, the curious why one, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's just like every week they tell you something new. Um, like why is a pencil shaped the, is it the way that it is? Why do we hang Christmas ornaments? Why are light bulbs yellow? You know, it's just really odd things, but you know, 20 minutes of listening to that instead of reading a book, for one of my students who absolutely hates reading, he loves it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then every day he'll come in and he'll be like, hey, did you know that this is why this is? And I'm like, no, I didn't. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> Obviously you're engaged. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Um, and it's so great when we can see students, you know, just delving into things that they're passionate about and that they care about their motivation and engagement. Thea, how do you maintain your love for literature, your love for encountering all sorts of texts, not just books, but also other stories and other forms? What do you do outside of sort of your teaching of it? How do you nurture your own love for stories and words and literature? I am still an avid bookstore uh, hoarder, I think is the best word. <laughs> Um, I still uh, go in and get the actual physical books. I will never be an e-reader. Mm. It's just not my thing. I like the physical touch of a book. Um, I still like make my lists of books that I need to buy. But I also am very like, I, I'm that type of person that after I read a book, I like to tell everyone about it. <laughs> So I'm like, I don't think, I don't think you'll like this, but I think you'll like this. And why don't we do that? And I've gotten very into um, Instagram book um, following. So like Reese Witherspoon has a big book page and I follow everything she does. And then because of that, all of the other spinoffs that come from those, I follow all of theirs and it gets very interesting to hear not only like what the main person says, but then what all of the comments say. Mm -hmm. And then you're stuck in like this tornado of reading things about books forever because, you know, social media takes up so much of our time now. But I'm starting to realize that that's okay because I'm still reading about the book I just read or the book I'm currently reading. So it's still a good thing. <laughs> so that's my biggest thing right now is I'm, I'm very much a bookish Instagram person. Oh, that's cool. Well, and this is a good segue, Thea, for us to step back in time a little bit 
and have you reflect on your years at Hope College and particularly your years of working on our Big Read team. Um, Reese Witherspoon might have a book club nationally, but our own Big Read team uh, runs a program, obviously, and uh, you were a big part of that for a couple of years. And so um, as a student, you were part of our program. Can you reflect a little bit on the experience and what you enjoyed about it? Of course. I would never say that I was a big part of it. And I don't even know what my official role was. Um, aside from like Deb's like guider and list keeper. <laughs> um, but I really felt like what I was doing at the big read and I talk about this in every interview I'm in and every every time that I'm talking about community involvement anywhere is that I was watching something unfold in front of me that was we were putting down roots for something that as it was growing into something a lot bigger mm -hmm. and I was a part of the big read when it was really starting to take some action and I've seen it grown since I've left and I'm like man I wish I could be a part of that and man like it's it's done so many great things since I left but I know that I was like I, I was there when it was starting those things which is great to know that like even if I just said a few things in one meeting or took notes during a meeting like I was a part of that process which was nice to know for me and nice to know that those little steps helped make a lot of impact for a lot of people mm -hmm. so and I was still part of the big breed when it was like the big read Holland so <laughs> that is, some of our listeners might not know that that it was originally called the big read Holland area mm -hmm. and then we expanded our scope and reach to go beyond and to be more equitable to all the communities along the lakeshore not just Holland I was thinking about that before we started this like we didn't have um like we only had two books the first year we only had one book the first year that I went I was a part of it and then we had two books the second year I was a part of it and then I remember sitting in a meeting where he said to me Thea I think this is crazy but I think we're gonna have three books next year and I was like okay Deb whatever you say <laughs> but it all worked out I love how you describe it as sort of watching something unfold I think that's a really beautiful way to put it Thea and I don't know if I would have described it like that but I love thinking about the past eight years now and how the program has grown and helped to foster and how it sort of has taken on a life of its own and Thea I would say very much your DNA is still a part of what we're doing and the ideas that you came up with we're sort of living into and leaning into and um, I love thinking about the legacy that you helped to create and have left as part of our team and dreaming big and going beyond just one book and bringing it all up to, to so many more. Can you talk specifically and um, for our listeners, which books did you focus on and any specific sort of memories or reflections that you have on those particular books and the programming or the involvement with community? For sure. So I was a part of the team. I was just like a student volunteer for um, Brother I'm Dying by Edward Donicott. 
and um, I'll talk about some events with her. So I didn't do a lot of events for that one. I remember I was there for her author visit, mainly because I got extra credit in a class. Um, I think it might have been yours. <laughs> that was a good reason to go. <laughs> and I did one other event. Oh, I did memoir writing with Rhoda Jansen, mm. another one of my professors at the time. <laughs> um, but I remember that those events, like I never expected there to be so many com community members at either events. And it was amazing how many people showed up, um, especially to her author visit. And her talk was so moving. And like, I remember I was sitting there like crying, like, and I'm not a crier. <laughs> and I was just like, what is going on? Like, how is this woman hitting me in such a powerful place? And she just had this way about her. And I just could listen to her talk for hours and then I remember walking up to her and asking her to sign my book and she signed it and she was like oh your name is so beautiful mm -hmm. um and for anyone listening my full name is Theophania so it's not you know she could identify with an odd name and we talked about that for a minute and I walked her back to her hotel afterwards just by chance and she was just such a personable person. And I was like, oh my gosh, like authors are people too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and it was such a big moment for me to realize like, she's, she's just like a person. She's just trying to like get her story across. And that could be me one day mm -hmm. if I really wanted to pursue this. Mm -hmm. If I ever had time, if I wasn't grading papers. <laughs> um, and the same with Rhoda Jansen, like she was teaching about writing memoirs and I had read her memoir and I was like, wait a second, like she's on the bestseller list and she's teaching me about literature. And I'm like, these every, these extraordinary people are just showing up in my life because of this wonderful program. And I am so blessed to be experiencing this and I need to like open my eyes to it. Mm -hmm. And it was the big, like, it was those moments that I was like, I need to get more involved with this. <laughs> um, and that's when I was like, hey, Deb, I, need, I think you need to, like, hire me. <laughs> and nobody can say no to you, Thea, when you get that vision. <laughs> but just for our listeners to know, Thea got involved with just about everything on campus. <laughs> We're everywhere. <laughs> So I think my second year, it was when Emperors Were Divine, and I think I did every event. <laughs> we were everywhere. There wasn't a night that we weren't doing something in November. It um, was intense for our team in November. <laughs> it really was. But again, the, the most memorable things was meeting the children's author and meeting her and I, I also got to walk her from her hotel room I think I drove her from her ho hotel room to Dimnit Chapel and I was like hello hi like you're the coolest person I've ever met <laughs> and she was like uh-huh cool I was like where am I supposed to go 
Oh, Thea, I want to go back to your comment about, as a college student, how impactful it was to see so many community members attending the events. And now as a teacher and thinking about your own students, middle and high school, can you comment a little bit about the impact of that or why that was so powerful for you and could be powerful for other students? I think it was powerful for me because after I like I had read her story, I had read the book, I had analyzed it in a class, but then hearing her talk about it and even hearing her emotion in her own voice, it was like, this is real. This is someone's life. This is like actually happening right in front of me that it became, it became a life right in front of me. It wasn't a story anymore. It became a life. And I was just so taken aback by that because, like, I love fiction. I will read fiction before nonfiction every single day. But the moment that it, I could see it in her eyes, it became real for me. And I think a lot of the students there, the community members, the teachers, they all had that moment, too, where we saw... Edwidge Dondicott, you know, get teary-eyed when she was talking about her father or when she was explaining how her mother was getting upset about some of these things or, you know, when she was talking about leaving her dad, she, she was getting upset or how happy she was that she was able to share the story or sign our books. Like all of those real life emotions made the story more and more accurate and more and more real and more and more lively that it wasn't like it jumped off the page all of a sudden mm -hmm. and to have that experience I think sometimes we think about books differently because we use them as texts in school right mm -hmm. and for you're, you're commenting about how seeing the author and seeing other people come not for grades not for assignments um, but bec come because they are just interested in this um, is powerful, right? Like this is what we want our students to do as English teachers beyond our classroom is to pick up a book for fun or, you know, way beyond just what we are asking them to do for a class. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you comment a little bit about um, why the power of like people coming together across differences to read a common book? One thing you talked about earlier uh, was allowing students choice uh, to read different things or listen to a podcast or read a magazine. And so I think there's a lot of power and a lot of meaning in student choice or individual choice in what we read. And I also think there's some power in coming together around a shared text. Can you comment a little bit about that? Yeah, I think that a lot of students need the ability to choose to feel like they have the power in reading or to feel like they have that, that confidence in reading that they might not have had before. But at the same time, they need a shared experience in order to understand different perspectives or to understand that like not everybody might have the same ideas or understandings or, and that that's okay. Like, <laughs> that's a big thing we've been talking about this year that not everybody is going to believe the same thing and that's okay. Mm. Um, and, you know, for a while, for a long time, we were talking about that with simple things like, and with 
little things. And now these, these issues have escalated to really big things. And we have to start teaching the youngest generations how to deal with those conflicts. And the easiest ways is through stories. So if we pick a shared story, it's going to be so much easier because they can all connect to a character. They can all connect to something in a story. And then we can have those discussions in a comfortable place as opposed to fighting over something that everyone is already so emotional about and doesn't want to pick, doesn't want to sway away from their side from. I love that. uh, Thinking about how a shared experience can bring us together in ways uh, that so much else divides us, right? If we think all these demographic divides um, and yet we can come to a story and have very different experiences in reading that story and even reactions to or opinions on, but yet we are seeing some of our common humanity in all having that same collective experience of getting to know a character or getting to know a particular storyline. And that's powerful, right? Um, and you know, I often will say, sometimes people apologize to me and they'll say, I'm so sorry, I didn't, I didn't really like that big read book that you know you chose or whatever. And I'll, sometimes they'll just say, that's okay. Like the point is like, what do you do with what you've read? And how have you started a conversation or learned something new from someone else who's read it? Or, you know, sort of like it's, it's about the book, what we do, but really it's much more about what we do around the book, right? The topics and themes and how we use those topics and themes to better understand each other the world, uh, to understand different perspectives. And, um, and I love you sharing the story of Edwige's visit to Hope College. And she remains one of my most favorite authors who have ever come for Big Read in that she was so gracious. I don't know if you remember that, but she just thanked us so over and over again times. Yeah. For the program and for the hospitality. And um, my reaction was, oh, no, wait a minute, we're thanking you. And but she was just so gracious in her response to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was the best. <laughs> I have to ask Thea, if you could pick any book for our next big read, what book would it be? And maybe you've already sort of hinted at it with Ray Bradbury's work. Yeah, I think if I was truly, uh, I'm truly a Waukeganite, so I would have to say something from the Ray Bradbury collection, or maybe like, you know, a collection of his works Mm -hmm. um, would be really, really interesting, because he, I think he connects to so many people. I love the idea of um, just, I really am into poetry right now. So I think poetry would be a lot of fun um, for people, but I think anything that can connect to multiple levels of readers as you've been doing lately has, will, will just like make this program soar and be amazing and will just allow for you know, more and more people to connect in so many amazing ways and just, it'll be great. Well, maybe related to that, although I, I'm going to say you can't say Ray Bradbury for this answer. Okay. If you could go on a little literary pilgrimage, so you have to go away from, from where you are, where, where would you go? Uh, if you were to, you and Chris were to take a vacation to do a literary pilgrimage somewhere, where would you go? 
So if I had to pick, I'm kind of stuck between two places and I'm very much a um, young literacy person (laughs) if the listeners haven't caught on yet. But I would either go to Terabithia, Mm. from Bridge to Terabithia, especially for a little escape from reality right now. Um, Or I would go to the... Sunset Towers in the Westing game, mm. mainly because my students are reading it right now. <laughs> and I, um, I've convinced them all that I could beat the game before any of the other players in the Westing game could. Yes. So, plus it's on Lake Michigan, so it wouldn't be too far. <laughs> that is a great answer. And I would love to see you actually try to do that. <laughs> I don't think it would be too hard, but I feel like I would get very frustrated by some of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. Thea, thanks so much for joining us today. And it's been a delight to talk with you in all these different roles and hats that you have uh, are wearing and that you have worn um, over the past years. But um, it's so fun to talk to another lover of literature and someone who is, uh, is called to help spread that love and share that love with other people. Um, And I think about those sixth graders of yours and they are lucky to have you. And I hope years from now, they will remember all of your comments and your personality and ultimately, you know what, how you want for them to live and be in this world, right? As people who listen and learn from each other and from those who think differently and um, how do we get to work together um, in this world? I love seeing the way that you live that out in so many beautiful and creative ways, Thea. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I hope everybody picks up a good book and reads it soon. Thanks, Thea. Thanks so much for listening to Behind the Read. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe, leave a rating and review, and recommend it to your family and friends. For more information and to join our mailing list, please visit our website, bigreadlakeshore.com. This podcast was brought to you by Hope College's Big Read Lakeshore team. The amazingly talented Kylie Galloway produced this episode.